I'm Jim Frawley, and this is Bellwether. And here we are in episode four of Bellwether Hub. Thank you very much for joining us. This is going to be a very special and different type of episode. Every single one of my podcasts, and I always recommend to the people who do my podcast that we record first thing in the morning. We're always doing it at like six o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning. Tonight, when we're talking about wellness, we need wine. So we're doing it at nine o'clock at night. And that this was purely driven by my guest. My guest said, no, there's no way because I can't drink wine at nine o'clock in the morning. I got to drink it at nine o'clock at night. And that's why we have to talk about wellness. Um, I'm just kidding. That's not really how it happened. It's just the way that we found the time. Um, so thank you for joining. We have a phenomenal guest today. We have a phenomenal topic today. And I think it's one that's extremely important. Um, and it's a topic of wellness. And I don't want to say it's a topic of wellness because that word has become so bastardized over time and it's been so manipulated and so completely misused and mistrusted. And, and uh, the meaning of it has been destroyed uh, in, a, in a lot of different ways. And I, I, I'll get to that in a second. But the reason I wanted to do this show is because most people get the idea of wellness wrong, in my opinion. Uh, and this frustrates me. It frustrates me because people have a lot of capabilities to be well. And they have all of the information that they need to be well. Yet that they continue to make missteps along this journey for wellness. We could talk about the balance between home and the office. We could talk about physical wellness. We could talk about mental wellness is in the news on a daily basis. We could talk about emotional wellness, spiritual wellness, social wellness. There are so many different types of wellness and it's such a big topic how do we get people to think about this in a very different type of way? And how do we get people thinking about it? Not necessarily from an external perspective, from an internal perspective. It's become a billion dollar industry. There are charlatans uh, th through the, the gamut that will sell, be very quick and very happy to sell you on whatever it is that, that they tell you to be well. Uh, and oftentimes it's not something that you actually need yet. We buy into these things because we're sold a promise. We want this silver bullet. We want something that's going to just fix whatever problem it is. We want to find this thing called happiness when we already know the fact that we're not looking for happiness because happiness just comes from a cookie. What we're looking for is satisfaction and it all comes from inside us. So this is my opinion on wellness, but we have people who can actually help us explain how to find wellness or give examples of what they did to find their own personal types of wellness. And in order to do that, we really have to define wellness. And wellness is difficult to define because it's kind of like leadership. Wellness is a concept. And wellness means something different to different people. And so its definition changes. It def the definition changes on who you speak to. The definition changes on your perspective, your worldview, your motivations, your value sets. What makes you well is different for one person than another. And that's something very important to, to keep in mind as we think through this interview today. Uh, and when we start talking to Trish is Trish is going to give a lot of examples on her life, her perspective, but think about what her experiences were to get her to where she is and what kind of reflective exercises can you do to find what's important for you. When we think of wellness and when I think of wellness, not we, I'm, I'll just talk about me. There, there are three aspects of wellness in my opinion. One is physical wellness. And physical wellness is your exercise, uh, your diet, 
Um, are you happy with how you look in the mirror, right? All that type of stuff, getting your heart rate up and, and doing physical exercise. And, and maybe one day we'll do one, one podcast specifically on physical and that's, that's good. The second one I call mental and it's emotional wellness. But under that, you know, a lot of people say the third one is spiritual. I put spiritual under that mental wellness as well. And there is a, a psychological aspect of wellness. And that's the one that's in the news quite a bit today is how do you get satisfied? How are you satisfied with your current situation and how do you focus on that? And physical and mental go hand in hand. Physical and spiritual, they go hand in hand. One goes down, the other will potentially go down as well. And the third aspect of wellness that a lot of people don't really talk about, but I think this is one of the most important ones, is social wellness. Creating that community. We had in a previous episode, Deshaun Johns, Too Sweet, talking about who's in his corner when he boxes. And who's in your corner and who's your community to help you as you're on your wellness journey. And that's a certain, uh, a certain aspect that a lot of people tend to neglect, but it's a very important one to focus on. So those are the three. And, and when they work in tandem, you will be operating on a very different level than potentially the way that you're operating today. So when I think of wellness for me, those are the three that I work on. And I have found, I mean, this was an exercise for me over, I mean, this is a decade and a half I've been working on wellness. And for me, it all comes down to three specific areas. And this is the work that I've done to figure out that it, it for me, it comes down to exercise, diet, and sleep. And those are the three that keeps me, my mental well-being, my mental well-being up. It keeps my physical well-being done. And through these exercises that I do and through the diet and, and my community that I've created, I've created a social network based on these three things. I'm not sleeping with a bunch of people, but I do do my physical type of activity with my social group. My wife would be very happy to hear that. Uh, so that being said, let me introduce our guest because I wanted to bring Trish Barger on the show today because she has done it. Trish and I have somewhat similar backgrounds, but different backgrounds um, in the sense that we've, we've jaded the corporate idea. Uh, we're both entrepreneurs. Um, she is a yoga instructor. I am very much not a yoga instructor. Um, but what I love about Trisha is that she has an opinion what I love about Trisha is that she's done it. And I, in my opinion, she's one of the people, when you meet Trisha, you know that she is well. And that's a nice uh, thing to think about when you're meeting other people. And when, when you go to meet a new person, what do you want them to say about you? And if they say, oh, well, if that person is well, I think that's a really nice thing to say. And, I, and so that's what I think about Trisha. So Trisha, welcome to Bellwether Hub. Thank you, Jim. It's so, so wonderful to be a part of this. And what a kind thing to say. That might be one of the nicest things I've ever heard. <laughs> that, that is quite a couple. Thank me, you. The, the nicest thing you've ever heard. I got. I need to start every show with, you know, is this the nicest thing you've ever heard? That might be. That, that might be. That, well, I need to do more episodes at night after wine. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> so tell us about you. Uh, yeah, so I'm Trisha, and um, I'm 40, which I think is a great age for to have this conversation, because I think you have so many wonderful experiences behind you. Um, I live in Dayton, Ohio, and I'm a graphic designer. I'm a yoga instructor. Um, I'm a traveler. I'm a mother, wife, um, and that, that's me in a nutshell. So you have, you in a nutshell, but there is a lot... There are a lot of different aspects there and perspectives yeah. that we can dive into. I like what you said. We didn't talk about this before the show, but 40 is a perfect time to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Why? 
Uh, I remember when I was going through my own process of if I was going to leave my job in international higher education. I worked at a university, and I had had a 15-year career working in specifically international higher education, intercultural training, working with um, study abroad programs, working with uh, bringing U.S. and international students together, living abroad. Um, and I was in a leadership program, actually, working with a leadership consultant. Uh, so I was on my way to just keep going up. Um, and I was talking to the leadership consultant, and I was just like, I really don't think I want this. <laughs> and she told me, she goes, well, you know, you're about 35, 36. Usually this happens about 40, 41. You just might be, it might be happening a little you're bit so earlier advanced. for you. And that's what I thought. Yeah, great. Um and and I think it's true. And now I, I look around, and you, know, I have friends in that ten year range of thirty five to forty five, and it's happening to. I mean, yeah, I don't have straight facts, but like ninety percent of them. It happens. It happens all the time. And I hear it just from from an executive coaching perspective. Is you spent fifteen years in the corporate world. It's not what you expected. You spend a ton of money to be a corporate lawyer and you're miserable. You're not going to make partner. You've got kids at home and a mortgage that you can't afford and you feel trapped. Is that, did you feel trapped? I knew that I was trying to buy into something that people said I should do. And I was good at my job and I, it was all going to go really well, but I always knew it wasn't what I wanted. Um, and I took the time to think about what it was I wanted and made all the difference. That brings to mind, so there is a, a guy, there's a guy, his name is Richard Boyatzis. He's a professor at Case Western University. He does a lot of research on behavioral, psycho, everything. Um, he's fantastic. For those listening, check him out. But he always, he, he worked on behavioral change and he talks about, uh, the person you are, the person you want to be, and the person you ought to be. And I feel like a lot of people, when you get to the age of 35, you're saying, look, this is what you keep telling me I'm supposed to be. This is not who I am, and it's not who I want to be. What made you come to the realization where you're going to be like, well, I'm going to pull the plug? Um, you know, I was the oldest of five kids. And so in the oldest role, you know, you have to do what people tell you to do. It's your job. It's your responsibility. I went to the university I went to. Um, it was my father's a, a professor there. So it was a free college education. You don't turn that down. Um, and then I decided to go abroad and everyone said, no, you shouldn't do that. You know, you need to start your career. You need to get moving, save money and you know, all that stuff. And I said, no, I need to get out and figure out what it is I want to do. And that led me down a path of being abroad. And I mean, in, in some years, some months being a complete vagabond. I mean, there were nights I didn't have a place to live. Um, oftentimes I was without food. Um, and my husband kind of is like, you just, you know, you're always like grabbing for food. And I'm like, well, I was one of five kids. And I also lived in Europe with no income. <laughs> like, I, If I have the chance to eat, I need to do it. Um, and it, it just, it gave me the opportunity to see not only different cultural perspectives, but to live in such a way that, um, that life could be very simple and I could find the pure joy in a new relationship with a random stranger for five minutes talking in a coffee shop. Um, I, I could have these amazing experiences. And so 
I had that. And then coming back into a work environment, um, it's just very stifling because a lot of that um, connection that can take place very organically in a very stripped down day to day uh, where you're worried about your basic necessities, um, it, it doesn't happen in the work environment and things become very, very superficial. And the more that I was going down that path, you know, by this time I had a kid and a husband and the house, the mortgage, all of that, I thought, none of this is real. Like, none of this, I'm not having the real experiences that I had when things are stripped down to nothing. Could a work environment get that stripped down? Could you get that feeling from a work environment? I feel like when you hear, oh, this person went abroad and spent time in Europe, right? I never spent time. I got a job in Omaha, Nebraska, right? And that's my <laughs> traveling after leaving the East Coast. And I probably made some bad choices by ending up there <laughs> versus Europe. But you hear about people who just said, oh, I took a year. You know, a lot of people don't have that opportunity, mm -hmm. right? Because I feel like being a vagabond and finding food on a regular basis and that is a stripped down learning about yourself and your own personal capability. Mm -hmm. Does that, when you talk about stifling a work and you talk about personal capability and what you were able to do in Europe, is that something that people need to figure out? Is that something that, is that a, a prerequisite in order to be kind of successful in finding out who you are in terms of wellness? Or is it possible to find wellness without having to go, you know, put a thumb out and go from Germany to Italy to France? Yeah, it's a good question because I did it and I learned a lot from it, but certainly I like having a roof over my head. I like having, you know, food to eat and I like being able to go on trips or, you know, do the things that I, that I want to do. Um, so I don't recommend it for everyone, but I think you are seeing some of it in this like minimalist movement that comes out now. You know, I mean, we have moved to such a, a messy side of, things being so clouded by what you should have and you should do and um, what you should be and what your path should be um, that I think any amount of stripping down to listen to yourself and who you are, whether it's as, as deep as, you know, sleeping on the streets of Europe to just spending five minutes in silence um, there's no right or wrong answer. There's always kind of these varying degrees of what you can do. But I think simply just sitting with yourself for five minutes is what you can start with. And so it's very popular right now, right? We've got the minimalist movement, but simplicity to you, it sounds like is key. You've got the Netflix show on how to be simple and get rid of all your crap. Um, what else is there? Because the idea of simplicity has been around for ages. I mean, you probably go back to Plato. I haven't read Plato in a long time, but I'm sure he said be simple was probably one of his things. And you talk about Thoreau and Walden and walking through the woods and all of that and just being with yourself. It's extremely difficult to get there in the 21st century, whether it's with technology or whether it's with work and we're always connected and we've got kids at home mm -hmm. and everybody needs something. Five minutes alone isn't always something easy to do. Is this you know, do you promote minimalism? Do you promote simplicity? Do you promote um, the idea of just thinking by yourself? That sounds like a couple different legs of a stool. 
Yeah, so I don't promote any of it, like in terms of one path being the right way. And I, and I think that this is part of the problem, right? So even the minimalist movement, I'm sure now, I don't know what the statistics are in terms of the, the, the financial implications for it, but I mean, people are making a lot of money off of these shows and all of this stuff to be simple. And it's the same with the yoga movement. I mean, you have all of these teachers who have come along. um, And like you said, I mean, yoga and wellness, it's a billion dollar industry. And still, we're just we're we're complicating everything, <laughs> right? So instead of like when I when I teach a class, you know, people come in and, and I see it in the yoga studio all the time. Like they've got their Lululemon, they've got their their fancy blocks and their mats and their gear, and, and I mean. It, we just take it to so many different levels. So no, you, not everyone has five minutes to sit down, but. I think they do. I think they're not comfortable taking the five minutes right. to sit down. And not everything has to be perfect to sit down. Exactly. You don't need a $500 mat. I'm literally saying sit down in a quiet room for five minutes. And that's it. And just sit there. But people don't want to do it because it's uncomfortable, because it's easier to deal with the to-do list that's running through their head, because then they feel like they can accomplish something. They can feel like they've done what they're supposed to do because we're not allowed to take five minutes, right? Like so many people feel guilty to take the five minutes. They want to feel the drama of all the busyness. I mean, people love the drama of the busyness. But if you sat for five minutes every day and you just felt how you feel in your body, where are your shoulders, what's your breath doing, how far is it coming down into your diaphragm? I mean, just sit with your breath. Is it, is it coming just at the, at the base of your throat? Is it coming down into the chest? Is it all in the front of the body? Is it drawing down? And notice that. And that's it. That's all you have to do. And then and walk away and don't think about your wellness until you do it again the next day. And do that for a week. Do it for a month. And just see what that does to your life. But we aren't even in touch that much with what's going on in our body. And it's, so when we talk about what's going on in our body, we're, we're talking about us in just a physical and a mental and an emotional state. So when we think about all of these distractions that we have, whether it's your phone, whether it's your email, whether it's you know, any television show that you want to binge and all these things that we want to do, mm-hmm. the more technology we have, which is, which it sounds like is designed to make us more productive and make things easier, actually just gives us more things to do. And it's designed to interrupt us. We know that the science is already there. Mm-hmm. It's designed to do that. Is the simplicity of doing this really just focusing on why would it make someone uncomfortable? Is it, are you afraid of what you're going to find out? What would make someone uncomfortable five minutes just focusing on you? Um, I, I think that people, we we have so many messages telling us what we should do. We're not very often asked what it is, is right for us individually. And I think that that makes, I think people are uncomfortable. They really, um, they really have a hard time just sitting down. And I don't know why. I, I don't know what it is that holds people back. Um, and it sounds like such a simple thing, 
But honestly, if you try and do it, it's really hard to do if you're not used to doing it. And so we want to put all this other stuff on it. Like, well, okay, well, if we did it this way or we did it this way or we're only going to do it in the morning or, okay, I didn't get to it this morning, so I'm going to do it tomorrow. It is amazing how many excuses we will come up with to just run away from sitting for five minutes. And it's only five minutes. It's only five minutes. That's it. <laughs> sit for, try it for two minutes. Just try and sit for two minutes. So I don't know what will come out of that for each individual person, but I'm also not going to pretend to know. Sure. Because I think a lot of people could jump in and say, and here's what you're going to get out of it. And I think you shouldn't trust those people <laughs> because they don't know you. They don't know what you, what you need from those five minutes. It, it sounds very simple and very boring, but I think that that's all you need to do. Five minutes and just see what happens. Do you think implementing a five minute routine could fundamentally change the way a person operates as an individual? Absolutely, absolutely. I am, I've been doing yoga for over 10 years and even I find that I can't sit for five minutes. I come up with the to-do list. I say, no, I'm gonna you know, throw this in the laundry. Oh, I'm gonna send this email. Oh, I'm gonna check the weather. I mean, really? <laughs> I'm gonna you know, throw the dishes. I, you come up with this litany of things that is just ridiculous. Um, and then I hear myself and I'm like, you're so wound up and I'm a pretty calm person. You're so wound up that you can't sit for five minutes. You can't go get on the mat and not even, you don't have to do down dogs. You don't have to put your legs behind your head or any of that stuff. Just literally sit down on the mat for five minutes Which and I, breathe. That's I, it. <laughs> I'd love to hear the fact that you teach yoga and yet you're talking to people how you fail to do this on a regular basis. You fail to fail do miserably. five minutes and it's okay. Fail. Right? You hear about someone who, oh, I want to run a 5K. And everyone's just lying about how fast and they have to run it at like a seven and a half minute mile. Meanwhile, they can't run a 15 minute mile. And it's okay. And you have to figure out and build up to five minutes, start with one minute, two minutes or anything like that. And but we don't okay see any it. of the hard work, right? Like all the movies that we grew up with, you know, like you have the tough thing at the beginning and then there's the montage of like, they changed everything in five minutes because they went to a salon and got their hair done. And it all happens like in five minutes in the movie. And then it's the outcome. And we have the same thing now with Pinterest and Instagram and all this stuff. Like you don't see all the work that goes into creating this one picture. We don't see the hard work. We, we think everything is going to be super quick. So you think like, well, you're a yoga instructor. I'm sure that you just now sit down and put your hands, or your head, you know, feet behind your head and everything's good and you don't eat meat and you don't drink wine and you take perfect care of yourself and all of this. It's a process and it's been a process for me and it's still a process I'm going through. Um, the idea of putting my legs behind my head is petrifying to me. And it's it petrifying. Happen. I mean, I would fall over without a doubt. And sometimes you can do things. Here's the other thing we don't talk about is you can go backwards and that's okay. So the physical practice of yoga, you might sit down and you might be able to, you know, touch your toes. But then the next week you can't. And people beat themselves up over this simple thing, right? But it's fine. Then the next week you might be able to. But it's all a metaphor. If you can learn that about your body, you can learn to apply it to your life. And you become more forgiving of yourself. 
you become more accepting of your shortcomings. Um, and I think that's been the most beautiful thing about it. You learn how to sit quietly. You learn how to listen to when you're upset, when you're anxious, when, um, when you're happy. But you have to take the time to sit. And it's, it's an exercise in learning to love yourself. Which I guess help when I think of yoga, mm-hmm. and I'll admit when I think of yoga, I think of legs behind your head. And mm-hmm. I'm just, yeah. It's not going to happen, right? But yoga is much more than just a physical activity, right? It's a learning exercise. And I guess most of this wellness, whatever it is, whether it's meditation, whether it's yoga, whether it's long distance running, mm-hmm. you know, it could be anything that you want to do. Part of that is looking towards the inside and part of that is beyond the physical. And there is a psychological and mental aspect to yoga as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think to be well, you have to know who you are. Because otherwise you're chasing other people's ideas of ideals of what's well, what wellness means or yeah. So and to do that, you have to know what's going on with you. And the physical practice of yoga allows you to do that. So it becomes a safe space to figure out where things are going wrong in your body. But in that way, you're not just listening to the physical of yourself, you're listening to the mental. And, um, and you're learning how to be patient with yourself um, because you want to jump into these poses. You want to jump in to be able to do these amazing things. Just like in your life, you think, well, I should be able to do this. I should be able to do that. And you just learn that process of beginning to... Now, how do you learn this process of being patient with you, right? If I go to do yoga and I've got to stand on one leg and I fall over and everything, I'm like, screw this, I'm not coming back, right? I embarrass myself for a room full of people. That's what you said. You embarrass yourself. The ego comes in. The ego jumps in the entire time. And so you're looking around, you're saying, well, she can do this or he can do this. I shouldn't be here. I'm not good enough for this process. And the whole physical practice is stripping away your ego, stripping away all these shoulds, all these voices, so that you can get down to, but I'm here on this mat doing this. And that's what matters. That's all that matters. Which is an amazing metaphor for much more. Other people in general are typically irrelevant. Yes. They're irrelevant, right? Because all you need to really focus on from a wellness perspective is how am I making myself the best possible person I can be? And then the other people around me will benefit from it. Which that does go back to Plato and all of those people. I do know that. So that's the only thing I know about Plato. So that's (laughs) interesting. So focusing on you... How do you get to that point? So when you think about, you know, fine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign up for a yoga class and I'm going to go into a yoga class and now I've got all these people and then, you know, I'm, I'm going to ignore them and then I'm going around and then this 300 pound guy comes next to me and he's doing a pirouette and doing like way more than I'm like, I should be doing better than this guy and then someone else. And how do you keep, I mean, this is a learning journey. Yoga, right. I guess, is a journey over time. Right. What are some techniques that people can use to say, you know what, I went the wrong way. How do I bring myself back? So again, it comes back to sitting with the breath. So if, you're, if you constantly are in the practice and you're constantly going back to your breathing, um, it, it gives you that mental distraction to stop focusing on what everyone else around you is doing. And that's the answer. 
(laughs) Just focus on (laughs) your breath. Just focus on your breath. But it's just so much, it seems like it's so simple. It's just so much harder to do than, you know, than it sounds, but. So the exercise, what everyone could take home from today is they're going to sit down for five minutes in a quiet room uninterrupted and focus on their breath Mm -hmm. and their life will change. All their wild dreams will come true. They may not be the same dreams that they thought that they wanted. Good answer. I like that. Because you don't know what's going to come up. Because you're going to learn yeah. from it. Because you might be waiting for someone else's dreams. I but, hear yeah. that all the time from clients who will just defer and wait. Say, well, let me think what someone else says and, you know, everything. And they yeah. don't, people don't want to make a decision. Yeah. 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 But then when you're able to stop thinking, I mean, then this gets back to what other people are thinking. If you can sit in a yoga class and not be worried about what other people are doing, it does translate then to how you how you lead your life. Um, you know, I live in suburb, suburban America, suburban America. And, uh, and even for me, it's really hard. I, I'll be driving through the school parking lot or something. And I'm like, Oh, I really should have that. Or my house should look like this. Or, and I'm, I'm a pretty simple person and I still fall into these traps. Um, so it's, it's a constant, a constant battle to remove that ego and to remove all of these illusions of what life should or shouldn't be. Um, but then it becomes easier over time and it becomes quicker to let go of those things. Now, focusing on your breath, is this something where, is it making it too complicated to say five minutes by yourself and you're thinking, do you give someone something to think about? Or do you just let a mind go wild? Do you just say, you know, what do you want? And just think about that. What do I want? What do I want? What do I want? Or are you just sitting down breathing and just seeing where your mind takes you? You're sitting down, you're breathing, and you're just observing what's going on in your body, in your mind. So, for example, with meditation, a lot of people say, I can't do it because I can't turn off my brain, right? I can't stop thinking. And then usually people just leave it and they won't try it. Well, no one can turn off their brain. I mean, <laughs> unless you are like... That's a real problem. A crazy, you know, successful yogi where you're like reaching these pinnacles of meditation success. No one can do that. That shouldn't be what stops you. If you sit down and you focus on the breath and the mind's going crazy, okay, first of all, you know that it's going to be difficult to go about your day because you've got all this jumble in your head. And so things are just going to spiral. So that's one observation you can make. You can also just focus on what those thoughts are. And you might be surprised at what you figure out, you know, or think about where the thoughts are coming from. I mean, just the simple, um, are the thoughts like, do I see them in the top left side of my mind? Are they, do I feel them in my chest? Where are they sitting when they, when they come into my vision? Just simple things like that. And it begins to create that detachment from what the thought is. And so the thoughts don't control you. And then you can begin to act out of a different, a different realm. Now, what about, so we could talk about gestalt and stuff like that, which I'm not we don't have time for that, but what about people who are really fundamentally distracted where they sit down and they try mm-hmm. and say, I've been sitting here 15 minutes. I can't figure this out. I'm done. I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Do they just try again the next day? Yeah. I mean, is at a certain point, do you just say, it's not going to work today. I tried. 
I'm going to try again tomorrow or later. You know, at what point do you just say it's okay, it didn't work? Um, I would say never. Hmm. I would say to adjust your expectations too. So um, we always have this, I, th- I think we have this tendency to want to jump in and say, okay, because fi- you just bumped it up to 15 minutes in that statement. Yeah. Yeah. But 15 minutes is very different than five. Well, so for five minutes, though, mm-hmm. when I think of five minutes of silence, mm-hmm. uh, okay, so I guess I've just kind of spun around, but five minutes of silence where I haven't cleared my mind. Right. Is that okay? Yeah, that's totally okay. I wouldn't expect someone to sit down and I can't sit down for five minutes and not have a thought. And I've done all kinds of, you know, meditation retreats and training and practice. And I couldn't sit down and not so have a thought. So five minutes of silence is okay no matter how crazy your brain is going. Yes. You're not going to elevate to anything. No, no, no. But I think over time, if you do that, you will begin to control those thoughts. So right now, um, I think a lot of people, we have this, a thought comes in and it's like, I got to go do this. And we spend all day following those thoughts, right? Like I have to send this email. Okay, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go, baby's crying. I need to read this book. I need to send the mail. And you spend all day darting around following these thoughts. And that's what spins us out of control. I mean, we can't get a grasp on any kind of peace, any kind of um, calm in our being because we're following those thoughts everywhere. And so if you can begin to um, detach from those thoughts, you can start to have some control over your peace. And to me, that's having control over your wellness. So when you talk about expectations... And as we sit about sitting with our five minutes of silence or through yoga or whatever it is, are we focused on improvement? Are we, you know, what are, what should we expect from just five minutes of being by ourselves? Well, I think something that we need to give ourselves permission to do is just accept who we are as we are right now. So we're, we're constantly told that we um, need to get better and we should constantly be doing better, learning how to be better. And, um, and I think one of the things that yoga has taught me is that we can just sit with who we are and that's okay. We are fine exactly how we are in this very state, in this very moment. And the idea of worrying about being better is really an external influence of what other people are saying that's what you're supposed to be. And I think it's detrimental to our wellness because it it implies that we're not enough how we are. Um, And I don't think that's true. I think each and every one of us in our our specific current state, we are enough. And so it would help us and help our wellness to stop buying into this idea um, that we need to somehow be better. It wouldn't necessarily help the pockets of the people who are telling us that, <laughs> but, right. um, but that's not the goal. <laughs> so yeah, I think it would help us be, uh, help our wellness. I love that. Five minutes. I want to start implementing five minutes every day. Five minutes. It's easy. But you got to let go of the expectations that you're going to have about what you can do in those five minutes. I'm just, it's just five minutes of silence. There are no expectations. That's, right. that's it. That's it. Me and my thoughts. That's frightening. If uh, everyone did that, if everyone sat for five minutes in silence every day on their own, I think it would profoundly change the world. Like crazy, awesome change. Well, we could start it with the people listening. Yes, 
Five minutes every day. Quiet. Good. Uh, well, thank you. This has been helpful. Book recommendation. Oh, my book recommendation. Um, how to Fail at Everything and Still Win Big. Scott like, Adams. Like meditating? This has nothing to do with meditation. This has to do with just simplifying your life okay. into um, a matter of systems. Instead of these major goals that just become way too crazy to achieve. Uh, Scott Adams is the author, and he is the writer of the comic strip Dilbert. My brother-in-law sent this to me randomly in the mail, and it was an easy read, and it just like should it's just a how-to on just how to live life, I think. <laughs> it's a fantastic book. Good. Yeah. All right. And it aligns well with what we talked about. Yeah. Great. Well, Trish, this has been fantastic. How could people find you uh, for a yoga class or for graphic design work or... Yeah. Um, so my email <laughs> is Trisha, T-R-I-C-I-A, at poppytreedesign.com. And I keep things pretty simple. I don't have any presence really in social media. Um, I just love the work that I get. I enjoy it. I do it. And then I do some more and that's it. So It is nice to not have a social media presence and not have to worry about it. It's, yeah. Um, I stripped that down. That's good. just email. <laughs> so I will put um, all of that to find Trisha. You'll, it'll be on the website, bellwetherhub.com. Um, and I'll also put some notes about this episode and everything. So come visit bellwetherhub.com. Take a look. There are a number of events coming up, and there are always events going on where you could come and join us. Um, Trisha, thank you so much for uh, this. And I really hope to hear anybody, please. I am on social media, so reach out. Talk about your five minutes uh, and how it has helped change you or what uh, benefits you have gotten out of it. I can think of no negative that can come from five minutes of silence uh, because it just helps you focus on making yourself better, which is exactly what Bellwether is all about. So thank you for being here and thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me on, Jim. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. Now do something for yourself. Bellwether is much more than just a podcast. Join us at bellwetherhub.com, where you can read riveting articles, view upcoming events, and connect with other interesting people. I look forward to seeing you out there soon.